Hi everybody, this is Matt Kirby, and welcome to a brand new episode of Groupie and Harmony, the podcast all about music. Uh, there's a few things that I want to get to today, but it's overall likely going to be a shorter episode. So, we'll dive right into it. I have a Facebook page, it's called Groupie and Harmony. Make sure you give that a like, because I post whenever I have any updates about the podcast, whenever I release a new new episodes, or whenever I have any updates about my blog, Feeling Groupie. So, most recent blog post I did, um, I released a few days ago, um, my blog version of my best albums 2020 um what's different between the podcast version of that is or from the podcast version of that is that in the podcast version i discussed a few in depth in the blog version i just listed out a bunch of ones that uh like i've listed all the albums that i gave like five stars for 2020 i and then i listed out a bunch like ranking by different genres um ranking by a uh, like ranking like who was nominated for Grammys, uh, what albums didn't hit uh, didn't hit the top two hundred st- or Billboard two hundred stuff like that, and I also have uh, my uh, top uh, my bottom five albums of twenty twenty. So on the on the podcast previously, I had mentioned that uh, um, excuse me, I mentioned that uh, Justin Bieber just beat out The Strokes for that one. But I also listed my top, my bottom five albums, so you can see which other ones join them in there. And then I also have a basketball blog, which has a separate Facebook page. Uh, blog is called "Is Baller Trademarked Yet?" Uh, my most recent post, I did one. Uh, I published one uh, on Easter. That was really just a bunch of topics because I've been swamped lately. A bunch of topics that been on my mind. Um, so I discussed like things like. Uh, Jeremy, for instance, Jeremy Lin being called coronavirus uh, during a G League game. Uh, Kevin Durant controversy, the weight room controversy. Um, Belarus coach Kim Mulkey making some controversial comments about COVID. Um, various free agent signings after the buyout market. Um, a, lo- a bunch of things like that. So, um, and then for both blogs, I'm I'm gonna have stuff upcoming. Um, I'm not quite sure yet. For the basketball one, I'm going to discuss the tournament now that uh, I gave up on Gonzaga, who I had winning now that they were down by a lot at the starting of this start of this recording. Um, not sure yet what I'm going to do for the uh, for feeling groupy, though. Um, there's a few topics that I would like to discuss. I just haven't decided quite yet what I'm going to do for this one. Um, and apologies that the those have been a little bit uh releases haven't been as much lately i've been absolutely swamped the last few weeks with work and just really stressed out and definitely mental health took a toll as a result from it um but i'm hoping that i'll be a little bit more sane and able to do stuff so anyways for what we're going to do today so there's a few things we want to get to. Um, first off, I want to discuss an article that I saw uh, that I saw on BBC. Um, we're going to finish off with that one. There's a couple festival lineups I want to discuss. But first off, um, uh, of course, hate talking about like anything bad happening to people, but there is really uh, sad news to hear. So DMX... 
Uh, he's been hospitalized uh, due to a heart attack that it is, well, it is speculated that, that was from a drug overdose. Um, it hasn't been confirmed officially. And uh, last, I basically last that I heard, he was like in really bad condition, um, like probably like in critical condition on life support, um, and like even in like a vegetative state. Someone described it as there was a prayer service outside the hospital he was at today. Um, yeah, I mean with DMX, it's. I feel like that it's because it's interesting because with DMX he um he really was an interesting case for like uh when like uh um like it was like hip hop was commercial hip hop was ready to take its next evolution it seemed like um for like more commercially successful one then he comes out and really and he. He releases "Is Dark and Hell Is Hot," which was like, which received positive reviews from critics and was a massive commercial success. Which was weird for like hardcore hip hop and even at times horrorcore, even that time. So, um, and then he continued to just have like throughout the late '90s through like the 2000s, he just continued to have several hit songs, but then also like. Especially the albums were really what, um, really, really successful for him, especially. Um, his first five albums hit number one, and then finally had an album in 2006, had an album that didn't hit number one. Oh no, it hit number two. So, and I mean, I think that, um, and I will say also with, uh, his, um, Cause it didn't reach the point because like he, he had often in re- in recent years been overshadowed by con- by different contemporaries who many of them many of whom were either releasing music, um or just maybe his stuff didn't like other stuff like has just like more legend legendary albums because I know like for instance in like that time period he was up against like artists that are still like really popular well regarded in like Jay Z Eminem um. At the um, Kanye was starting out at the end of his prime. Um, se- several other, I mean, those are the three that come to mind right now. But there, um, there were a lot of hip hop artists that were experiencing a lot of commercial success at that around that same time. And but I think oh, Nas, I meant to say also because he's like still been held up in a high regard. But I mean, even like DMX, for instance, had like might have had more commercial success than Nas. Um, but I mean, I think that just because of who he had to compete against, I would argue that it's to the point where now I would say that he is, un- that he is underrated in terms of hip hop history. Cause I think that he really has, pl- he really plays an important, played an important role in helping, um, uh, really, um, helping with a shift to like, a hardcore hip-hop in really popular rap, because I know there were some other artists that had popular success before that, like, uh, Run DMC had, had a cup, like, artists like Run DMC, Public Enemy had some, um, but even still, while, um, 
at that time though like like gangster rap had really taken a a ma- taken a big it was basically gangster rapper Wu Tang Clan pretty much um uh so I mean you also had like Outkast that started to come on the scene too but then it really was but then I mean but like I think that DMX really doesn't get the credit deserves for really popularizing um helping popularize uh hardcore hip-hop in like a way that was different than uh than the west coast hip-hop gangster rap um things like that and in a way that Wu-Tang Clan just stylistically wouldn't necessarily have been a wouldn't have found just because um stylistically it wasn't quite the style that would have done that um so i mean definitely keeping uh definitely keeping him and his family and friends in uh my thoughts and prayers but um but i do just want to take a quick second before moving on to uh mention that uh I mean, because uh, I know um, DMX has spoken about uh, difficulties with uh, with drug use, drug addiction. So, um, and I mean, I do just want to say also that really, I, I mean, drug addiction is just an awful thing. And it frankly is just a horrible mental illness. And it's awful to and I know we have made progress with people realizing that but we still aren't at a point where we where there's enough people to but there's or with people there are still a lot of people that don't recognize that and I I was talking about whether I want to discuss this or not but I since I hate talking about this but I decided I would um so no, like a year and a half ago I was uh, hospitalized for uh, mental health reasons, uh, severe depression, anxiety, and uh, serious suicidal thoughts. And I, because I had an attempt previously, I've figured, uh, yeah, let me check myself in this time. Um, and while I was, and while I was at the mental hospital, um, there they had a few people who uh, ha- were there because of drug addictions, and um, and I. W- and I will say it's, um, it's insane to, uh, just seeing that, be- um, like, you know, in particular, two, uh, two that, two people that come to mind with what they were dealing with with that. One person, he, um, basically whenever anyone would, uh, whenever different people would take their meds and one person would take, uh, when one person, whenever was taking their meds, he would just out of force of habit, I don't even think he realized he was doing this, would go around and asking people, like, what different meds were, what was in the different meds. And I'm just sitting there thinking, oh, geez, I, that's, I, because I honestly just thought that probably was just, he had gotten so used to doing that, that it was just second nature at that point. I don't even think he realized what he had, what, that he was even doing that, that he was even asking that. And then there was another person who, um, he, he had like the, 
like, cause I know you hear different people like joking about withdrawal or whatever. Um, I know I've joked about it too, but I saw that and I saw this one, this one guy, he was with his withdrawals. It was to the point where he was shaking so much that for like probably three days, almost three days straight, it seemed like he just couldn't sit still. And when I say that, like, I mean, cause normally I, I do have trouble sitting still, like and focusing. So like usually I'll like tap my foot or some or like walk around something like that. But how much he like just couldn't stay still was made me look like I was staying perfectly still. Like that's how much they were. And even like, cause I had told him also that like, just because of his motivation and all, I told him that I honestly thought he would be able to, to beat it. Um, and I, even it, he, he had, to, I heard when his family had visited him, he was telling his family that he didn't know how he would be able to beat it just because once he got out, it would still be like, it would be t- so tough for him to like get into he wouldn't be able to change his environment and it was like how and he wouldn't have been able to really get into a new environment so that point he knowing him with like addiction it so tough to avoid that but if uh i just want to mention that with this one also if uh, you or anyone you know is dealing with uh, any sort of drug addiction um uh on the samsa substance abuse and mental health services administration so their phone number is 1-800-662-HELP or 1-800-662-4357. Definitely call that for uh, free confidential uh, 24-7 information, treatment referral. Um, And really, if you're with that, you're not alone. um, And if you're beating yourself up because you can't beat it, addiction sucks. Addiction is absolutely brutal. Like, that's, that's why it just sucks as a mental health illness. I want to take a minute to promote a business by a friend of the podcast and also a really good friend of mine, and that business is Bendings Canvas. It can be found on redbubble.com, and it's some incredible artwork. I'm looking at it right now, and I'm I'm blown away by it. I'm, like, lost for words. Really amazing artist. Um, you can go on there, get all sorts of magnets, stickers, artwork, there's a really cool variety of things, really cool stuff. So definitely go on there if you want to get something for yourself. If you want to maybe get a gift for someone, like maybe a birthday gift, holiday gift, home warming, home warming gift, or just a random gift for an occasion. That's a thing that you can still do. Um, definitely go on, go on their Bendings Canvas for absolutely amazing artwork and a support a really close friend of mine um that's bendings canvas on redbubble.com that's bendings canvas on redbubble.com so um next thing i want to get to is a couple of festival lineups so um some festivals are announcing their lineups i'll be totally honest i don't think i don't know if how if any of these will actually happen and the main reason is because I know that even if it's like the case of, oh, well, um, CDC says you can have small gatherings. It wouldn't surprise me if there's enough of these festivals that just say we're going to lose so much money by holding it that we might as- that we might make a- that we might end up losing less by cutting our differences now, especially once they're scheduled early. So keep an eye out for that. Um, in particular, this year I did, except last year I've made my predictions for uh, who I thought would have actually last 
two years I made predictions for Coachella. Last year I predicted Lollapalooza also. Um, this year I didn't, I'm not predicting any festival lineups. Um, just because I didn't know, I didn't know if any festivals would even be held. Or, and with that, who would be, who would be interested in performing live at the, this setting. Um, who be booked, whatever. Um, so two that have been announced recently that I came across. Um, one is Hard Summer Festival in, uh, uh, San Bernardino, California. Um, that that one that one scheduled July thirty first and August first. That one wouldn't surprise me if that one gets postponed or canceled, um, unless California's in really good shape. Unless it's a really limited seating. I don't know how many tickets they have made available for that one. Um, so um. For this one, um, the headliners, so, um, on Saturday, the big name is, uh, Future. Sunday, it's, uh, back-to-back DJ Snake and then Mala, and Mala, I'm not sure which one's first, I'm guessing Mala, and then DJ Snake. Um, and then on Saturday, they also have Rez, Keitronada, back-to-back Arl Grime and Bauer, uh, Don Tolliver, Jows, um, uh, Ikali, uh, Lil Durk, Maya Jane Coles, Back to back, uh, G Jones and Eprom, A Track, Wax Motive, um, and then a bun- bunch of other ones. Like you have a, uh, um, Walker Walker and Roy, Snot, um, Blunts and Blondes, um, Prospa, Phantoms, Born Dirty, um, Soul Clap, several others, um, and then for Saturday, in addition to DJ Snake and Mala, you also have a. Uh, Dylan Francis, Two Chains, uh, Scream doing a dubstep set, uh, Kaizo, Ian Dior, Hulk Gang, um, which is uh, I can't read what they wrote here. Looks like Valentino Kong and Valentino Khan and I think that says Four B. I'm guessing that says Four B. I um, and then Slushy, Joyride, Say My Name, uh, Solardo. And then a bunch of others, like you have Ruby Rose, Ride 10, Don Risky, um, uh, Elohim, um, DJ Scheme, a bunch, uh, bunch of others. Um, yeah, so, uh, I mean, those are some pretty good names that they got there. Um, I will say they especially got a bunch that are, like, that it's I don't know how how to like they have a bunch that like it feels like are on the rise kind of thing like uh Lil Dirk is rapidly on the rise um Rez Catronada they're rapidly rising too um same thing with Don Tolliver um and then you and Ian Dior and Slushy also but then you mix that in with like some more established ones like DJ Snake has been around for a while Future of course um Two Chains of course um I think it's a solid lineup. Um, it, um, again, I don't know how many. I don't know what the lineups are in this. I don't have the lineups pulled up in compared to their previous lineups, but um, but yeah. So uh, tickets had went on sale on Friday, um, and uh, I'd say I I think that's a good lineup for that. 
Um, I don't know how many people they'll have for it, but they usually get pretty solid lineups. And this one, I, th I think, was a they had some good choices on there. Um, I think the undercard is, as I mentioned, like a bunch of artists that are on the rise, which I think is the way to go a lot of times. Um, the other festival lineup that I want to mention is Bonnaroo. So um, that one's scheduled, in, or it's in Manchester, Tennessee, scheduled from September 2nd through 5th. That one is still early for a big gathering, so it, they might be forced. Actually, it is in Tennessee. I don't know what Tennessee's. Um, I don't know what Tennessee has. Uh, Tennessee's regulations are there. Um, anyway, so they have like their uh, Thursday opening, and then for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So um, headliners. Uh, I'll just mention the two biggest names on each one, um, and then I'll go in to each day. Um, Friday, you biggest names are Foo Fighters and Megan Thee Stallion. Saturday, Lizzo and Tame Impala. And then Sunday, Tyler the Creator and uh, Lana Del Rey. And then for Friday, in addition to Foo Fighters and Megan Thee Stallion, um, you also have uh, Run the Jewels, Janelle Monet, uh, Glass Animals, Deftones, Young Thug, Tipper, Jack Harlow, uh, Grace Potter, Primus, Nelly, um, The Disco Biscuits, uh, Dashboard Confessional, um, Troy Boy, Marcus King Band, Lena Stella, Orville Peck, um, a bunch of others. Then on um, Saturday, in addition to Lizzo and Tame Impala, you have uh, My Morning Jacket, g uh Jason Isbell, at, at, excuse me, Jason Isbell in the 400 unit, um, Phoebe Bridgers, Incubus, Seven Lions, then there's also uh, King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, um, and then uh, Sylvan S.O., Leading a super jam, uh, Ke uh, Kevin Gates, um, Mark Rowlett, um, Subtronics, Goose, John Baptiste, uh, Jetty, um, Pine Grove, um, Van Camino, some others, and then on Sunday, in addition to Tyler the Creator and Lana Del Rey, you also have uh, Lil Baby, Dead Mouse, uh, Leon Bridges. Young the Giant, Brittany Howard, then there's a uh, Flogging Molly, Boombox Cartel, um, Greensky Bluegrass, The Struts, Camp, Oliver Tree. Um, I've, which I will say, I could have sworn Oliver Tree had said that he was retiring. That um, um, that uh, um, that name, uh, that name, but uh, evidently. Evidently, he's not. Um, um, and then uh, some others: Peekaboo, Jillian Baker, um, Ellis Dream, um, Colony House, some others. I will say, I think compared to a lot of artists that they, a lot of years they had in the past, the headliners, I, th the bit, the big names there are probably a little bit underwhelming. Because I know Megan Thee Stallion did just is did just win Grammys, and is massive in music right now. But even still, um, I think that I probably would have expected her to be um, not be the second biggest name on a day. I mean, of course, you probably could make the argument. Well, maybe she should be behind someone like Run the Jewels, Janelle Monae, or Deftones. But I'm not here to make that argument. My point is that. My argument is that uh, I'm surprised that 
then have another one that was that was going to be there um and uh and then also they um um one that surprised me also about that was that they really don't have a usually they have one headliner that's a jam band so the biggest one is probably my morning jacket which i mean i'm a little bit surprised to uh to see that one um i mean also i think in comparison to uh what their lineup was going to be in 2020 um i mean the they did where like it was three big names for each one instead um the friday they were going to have tool miley cyrus and bass nectar well bass nectar uh um he they weren't going to book him after uh um after he there um there were allegations related to uh sexual misconduct um and he and he stepped back from and he stepped back from music for the time being um and then on Saturday you did have Lizzo but then you also had Flume and Oysterhead um so my guess is that with that one maybe like my morning jacket is like replacing Oyster and in that regard and then on the Sunday they had Tame Impala, Lana Del Rey and Vampire Weekend. Um so I mean like they still did have like Lizzo, Tame Impala, Lana Del Rey and I mean replace Tool Foot Tool with Foo Fighters. Um but I think that even still I think that um like it I do think that there was like a bit of a drop off there. I do think that um the that they do did get some underrated they did get some underrated uh groups as for the rest of the um for the rest of uh the undercard um like for instance one that um i was surprised that i like probably did like a double or triple take um was that uh for instance kevin gates on on there as low as he is um i think that one was a I think that one was a good call. Um, Oliver Tree, um, he he does have a big following. The Struts have this really oddly big following um, in their touring, especially it's odd considering that uh, considering that they haven't had the same they haven't had the same commercial success that might match that uh, that following. Um, and then there's like Lanastella is rising frankly um disco biscuits they have a really big following um primus has a big following i mean a bunch of the bands that they got do have like followings and all um so i'm i think that they did i think that they did book some uh they did have some uh book have some good undercard acts that they booked um i think that probably the top though I I would say is a little I would say I'm a little bit disappointed compared to what they I would have hoped they could have done with that but um I mean still a lot of the acts they did book were previously they had originally booked for uh 2020 but it was just uh and some of them they just bumped up a little bit earlier than they would have the last thing that I want to discuss is an article that I saw on BBC um basically the headline is 
Hit songwriters ask pop stars to stop taking credit for songs they didn't write. Um, so, basically, a, um, a, there's an advocacy, advocacy, ad, advocacy group calling itself The Pact um, that wrote an open letter um, um, disc, uh, saying that... Uh, Saying that many song, uh, there are a lot of artists that are demanding that they are included in the songwriting process, even if they make minimal changes, and uh, then that way that they get like a lot of times close to equal royalties from all of it. When they also get the royalties from uh, tour from uh, uh, from like touring, um, like diff other di um merchandise. Um, different partnerships, um, but songwriters only have it from uh, from actually writing for them. Um, and a lot of uh, there are a bunch of big uh, big name songwriters that wrote it. Um, they list that uh, those who signed it include uh, Justin Tranter, Emily Warren, uh, Ross Cohen, Amy Allen, uh, Savan Kotecha, um, Joe Little, and Victoria Monet. She's she's really rising as a songwriter rapidly. Um, and all of them have written songs for several hit artists. Um, and because it, it's at a point right now where um, a lot of songwriters have uh, have said that um, said that they are that while a lot of these artists are getting additional royalties from the songs that uh, from th these songs when they perform them uh the songwriters have to split it with them and then because of that split then they a lot of times are struggling to like to survive to pay rent to live um a lot of them have to like pick up other jobs um while doing it um and uh they're and a lot of times the artists like their management will like use bully tactics um and threaten them to get them to get them into the songwriting royalties and the big thing with that is though a lot of times because this is this like in my opinion i've known a lot of that a lot of artists have done this for years there are a lot of artists who will do stuff like that after they said and then when they're told oh well you have to have to write the song and they change one lyric or two lyrics, something like that. And they say, I wrote it and guilted them into... And then are listed as songwriters. I'm not going to, like, necessarily name names on these ones. But, um, but I have heard of several different artists that were, that were like, notoriously just, uh, change... That would just change a few words and then force their way onto a song, onto a song lyrics. And, frankly... I mean, my opinion of that, honestly, is because I mean, I've, um, while I have often spoken in favor of like artists for different things, I'm even more in favor, in favor for songwriters than that ones. Frankly, those the artists they didn't do crap in compared to what the songwriters did. The song, the song. I mean, I know some people would be like, "Oh, come on!" But the artists performed the song, made it their own. Well, the songwriter actually was the one who came up with the song. That's that's a heck of a lot harder than than actually performing the song a lot of times unless it's out of your unless it's like out of the songwriter's range 
in which case they didn't write it for themselves. They wrote it for someone else to refer, which is even more difficult. Um, so yeah, I mean, ultimately I think that the, because they did write that this, it, this practice has become, uh, has become normalized. And that is just absolutely devastating that it has reached a point where, uh, where people just expect that uh, songwriters are like the bottom of the barrel kind of thing, even though a, they are one of some like in they're like essentially even getting the getting the ball rolling. And I know especially there are a lot of genres where that's happened. I know especially in pop music where there it's historically there have been a lot of pop artists who would just do cover songs, um, and I mean this stems back for years like in traditional pop and jazz a lot of times the vocalists were not songwriters um there, there were some exceptions but a lot of stemming back to then even and probably before that um it was the same kind of thing so um this isn't a new feature and i know that this will come as a surprise for a lot of people which makes sense. I mean, it hasn't necessarily been publicized. Artists won't be discussing it. Um, and they just see that, oh, the uh, artist is listed as one of the songwriters. I I think, though, that, in my opinion, it absolutely shouldn't be normalized. And, frankly, we, I think I'm glad that they are speaking, speaking up about it. Like, the music business business is just a nightmare to be in effectively for a lot of ways and being a and while I have discussed like how uh I have mentioned in passing previous times like that a bunch of artists have faced exploitation from industry like I know I told a story previously about how how much financially Aretha Franklin was exploited frankly at the songwriters in at this point now are probably even worse so, I'm glad that they wrote this. I'm this letter. I'm. It's devastating that's reached that point. I would recommend definitely looking into this more. Um, reading it. Um, they. I mean the. The songwriters. If I've always been on the mindset, the because, with the way the royalties go, the person who is, if, the person was there for the songwriting royalties, those should go to the songwriter. They should not go to someone who got who got it under their desk and just said, "Can I change two words?" And there and I have read different things about different artists, uh, different artists related to that. Because I know I read one recently where uh, Kelly Clarkson had said that um, there were times where um, like she changed a few words and they asked her if, and the songwriters like would sometimes even ask her if they wanted to be in and she's like, "No, I didn't do anything." Um, so it. It is really important, I think. Um, so definitely read up on that. And just like that, that's the episode. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. I know it's shorter than usual. Our last few ones, which I think is good. We need a short one today. Um, I'll likely be back. I'll be back. I plan to be back next weekend with a new episode. Um, in the meantime, next few days there will there should be a post from. Uh, or a blog post for feeling groupy sometime this week, I hope, and then one in the next few days for Is Baller Trademarked Yet? Definitely make sure you like um, 
you like the Facebook page as far as Baller Trademark yet, and uh, and uh, um and Groupie and Harmony. Make sure you check out the blogs. They're uh, on blogger.com. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you again. Bye.